who's ready for a new horizon? Come on, who's ready for a new horizon? Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled, multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. I don't know why you're here If today. you would like more information about Revival Life Church Jesus, or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. You might be here because who knows what. But I believe God has you for a, for a, a reason to bring breakthrough in your life. I believe, hmm, I am more convinced than ever. I am more convinced than ever that Jesus is the God of breakthrough. I believe more than ever that Jesus is actually alive. He's, he's not a myth. Like we talked about last week, he's not like a grandparent in heaven who's not interested in your day-to-day stuff. Just every now and then wants to visit you. I, I don't believe that. I, I, I don't believe that God is unaware of what's happening. I believe that Jesus Christ is actively involved and he wants to bring breakthrough in your life. But I believe that sometimes we got to get a little uncomfortable because your comfort brought you to where you're at now. Sometimes we've got to get uncomfortable to get into where God has us. We have to actually position ourselves for the breakthrough. Anybody know what I'm talking about right now? You go to school and they start telling you you have to get uncomfortable and figure out that you didn't, you don't know some stuff that you think you know. And, and uh, you come to the church and we find out, you know what? I might have to learn some stuff. I might need to find out some information I didn't know. And here's the funny thing. By and large, the information Jesus wants to add to your life, he wants it to take the place of some things that you already believe. So you go to engineering school, you don't know about engineering. And so they just add to the information that you learned earlier. You go to Jesus school, Jesus is like, I got something that's going to fit right here in your life. And you're like, I already got something right there, Lord. He's like, I know. But this is what you should have there. And you're like, but that means I'm going to have to get rid of this. And he's like, I know. I'm well aware. I'm well aware of what's happening in your life. You know what I'm talking about, Mike? Are you seeing what I'm saying? Are you, are, are you getting this, Sybil? Are you getting this? I hope you're getting this. This is, this is, he's got some things for your life that you already have filled with other things. And, and we have to, we have to, we have to make a decision in our lives. Here, here's the, here's the challenge so many Christians have to, have to face. I got to take what I'm learning on Sunday and apply it on Monday. Okay, I'm going to just say that one more time because I really need you to get this in, in your spirit, man. We, we kind of get this twisted mentality that I come in on Sunday and then I worship on Sunday. And since I worshiped on Sunday, Jesus takes care of Monday. But that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Oh, Jesus, I worshiped you on Monday. I hope you take care of my kids on Tuesday. No, 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 no. What happens is we worship Jesus on Monday and he starts dealing with our ethos, with how we run our lives. And now he's like, now begin to behave like that on Monday. That will attract my spirit onto your Tuesday. And if you obey me on Tuesday, it will attract my presence on Wednesday. And then as we learn to operate out of the ethical system that Jesus gives us on Sunday, then we start seeing our weeks changed. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. See, Jesus is, is not looking. There, there's, there's, there's two things I know. Jesus actually is not wanting to run your life. We, we, we were like, Jesus, can you just, can you take care of this whole thing? He's like, 
you want me to take care of everything? Because if so, you're going to change a whole lot of stuff. Or, or uh, like, people are like, oh, oh, like, I just need God to take control. Are you sure? Because you're about to lose a whole bunch of relationships. You're about to do a whole bunch of different stuff with your finances. You're about to talk an entirely different way. Or do you just want Jesus to work in you slowly the way he needs to work in you? And you put these things into practice. Is this making sense? I just, this is, this is me for someone. You're like, you could get disappointed. God has not changed this situation, but God didn't get you in that situation. God's only going to get you out of the situations he puts you in, right? Otherwise, he's going to do something on the inside of you so you can take over the situations you find yourself in. Oh, pastor, that, that's a good word right there. That'll change some lives. I feel like that was worth something right there. That was... I was worth something right there. If you got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 1. We are continuing our Summer of Faith series. Our Summer of Faith series. If you're just joining us today, good news. Jesus is alive. Amen. He is alive. He reminded me last night. I was in bed and um, uh, I couldn't fall asleep last night. It was went to, went to a wedding. Madi and Zach got married. It was beautiful. <laughs> We had some, um, we had a funny thing happening at my table. There were some people who didn't show up, and so we made it look like they were there, because, you know, every spot gets a meal. Thanks, Natalia, for missing out there. And so we just, you know, we're like, oh, they're having the steak right here. They're that, they, you know, because we figured, you know, it was, they pay for it either way, right? And so, I want to be a good steward. You understand, like, I don't want, you know, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, so we, they got, it was a beautiful wedding and a beautiful reception, and, uh, I got home and, um, got, got to bed and I was laying in bed, and, and I've had, I don't have time to talk about this fully, but the Lord just kept talking to me. Jesus is, you know, Jesus wants to talk to you, and, um, if you don't make time for him, he knows when to find you. He's like, you want to sleep? Well, let's just talk about some stuff right now. You're like, but it's, it's sleep time. He's like, I know, but you weren't there at prayer time. So I, we're just going to make your sleep time my prayer time. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, we could do that. I'm like, you being God and all, we can do that. And so, um, and so I was talking to God, and, uh, and God just began talking to me, Duke, about like all these encounters I have with him. He just began just, he's like, it was, it was so cool, like, He's like, you remember that time that that guy got healed? I was like, yeah, I, I remember that, Lord. That was wild. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Re remember that time that angel showed up? And I was like, ah, yeah, I remember that. He's like, you remember this angel that used to, this angel that I, yeah, used, to, used to follow me around? And uh, I was like, yeah. He's like, where's he been? I was like, that's a good question, Jesus. I need to, <laughs> I need to figure this out right here. We got to get this guy active again. He's Someone is AOL. I hope he ain't getting paid because I ain't seen him in a minute, Lord. I hope, I hope, you, I hope that you have some uh, remedial solutions for that one right there. That he would get back. But, but why, was the, why would the Lord ask you these kind of questions? He wants to provoke your faith for these things to be happening again. And so he began talking to me about some stuff. I was like, oh, Jesus. I was like, you know, I got to work in the morning, right, God? I mean, you're my boss and all. You probably know that, but you're keeping me up. I got to work in the morning. He's like, I'm good. I'm like, all right. He's like, I'll be there. I'll be on time. I'm like, all right. If you can get some people on time too, that would be great. But um, as we are here in Romans chapter 1, 
verse 16 in our summer of faith. I, I say all that to say before we get into scriptures. When faith starts to get provoked in your life, it's going to manifest in ways you're not ready yet. It, it, it's, 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 see, see, the Bible talks about line upon line, precept upon precept. And sometimes the place you're trying to get to hasn't had a foundation built yet. And so Jesus is like, oh, we're going to work on this right here. You're like, Jesus, I don't need that. I need this. And you don't understand that this is the foundation for that. And so you start being obedient, you're faithful in this thing, and then God starts building that thing. He's like, you take care of this, and I'll take care of that. And so we got to be obedient in every season that we're in. I don't want you to be worried about the season you used to be in that you're not in anymore because you think you've gone backwards, but you haven't gone backwards. You've moved on from that season to something better, and now you're building something else. I believe the Lord is going to raise up some developers in this um, house. And... Um, and uh, when, you, when, you, when you buy a piece of property and you develop it and you build all these buildings and commercial properties and retail properties and residential properties and then, you, and then you sell them and then you get a lot of money and then the goal is to do it again. And so you could look at it like, God, I, I had all these buildings and now I have an empty plot of land. And he's like, oh, no, no. You have the profit from that season even though you don't know it. And you're about to get the profit from this season. Just be faithful in this foundation. And that's what I believe the Lord is doing in faith in here. Just receive that for yourself. I feel like that's a good word, Duke. Amen. I believe that's a good word, Mike. Josh is holding on to that word. Someone's going to get activated. Romans chapter 1, starting in the verse 16. The word of the Lord says, For I am not, a, ooh, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, for it is the righteous, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Mike, for blessing me. Blessing the people. That worship was good, yeah. Worship was good. Thank you, worship team. Thank you for production staff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, give it up if you would. Hallelujah. 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 We've been studying the last couple of weeks the, the usage of the word faith in Paul's writings. We've been, this word, pistas, faith. We think we have a grasp on it because we get an understanding of it. But as we're digging in, we're seeing that faith means different things in different times when Paul used it in the Bible. And if we're not fully understanding the word of God, what happens is we come up short of everything God has for us. The worst thing that can happen is that we think we got everything God has for us when he's still trying to hand out more. We think we're full, but God is like, no, 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 I have more for you. And you're like, no, no, I got everything already, God. And so we walk away not receiving everything he has for us because we've been deceived into thinking we have everything already. That's why we need to come to, like, to Jesus as a child, understanding that I do not know everything. I do not have everything. I need to still be hungry to God for things yet revealed. Amen. And so we've been studying this word faith that many of you, if I were to ask you before, do you have faith? You would say, Yes, but I could probably use some more, not even knowing what that means. And so we talked about these three types of faith that Paul uses, the Greek word pistas in the New Testament. He, we've broken it down into three types, believing faith, 
trusting faith and obeying faith. Uh, This is in our Instagram story. It's pinned if you want to check it out. These three questions. And I hope you have been praying through these three questions. Do not be like the man who saw himself as in a mirror, but then walks away and forgets what he saw. We need to continue to get the word of God integrated in our lives. The, The preached word, the sitting under the word. There is an anointing to sitting under the word of God. There is something that happens supernaturally when you sit under the word of God and you meditate on it and you allow it to do something in your life. There is some transformative action, not because I'm special, not because you have the anointed apostle or the anointed prophetic apostle or the apostolic prophet. No, no, no. God honors the, the, the public reading and preaching of the word. There, there, there's a, some, there's some, a sacramentality of the preaching of the scripture and sitting under the word and it transforming your life. Just the, the act of obedience, of showing up on Sunday morning, honoring God, hearing the preached word, something happens. And so if you've gone through the effort of being here, get everything out of it you can. Let it be incorporated into your lives. Do not be persuaded by people who tell you, You don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Of course, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. But why would you want to be a non-growing Christian? You cannot find that in the Bible. You cannot find a Christian in the Bible not connected to community, not having a pastor. I don't want to get into that, but don't be deceived by the spirit of this age. But these questions that we've been asking is, and, and, and if you're taking notes, you can write this quickly. Otherwise, you can find it on our Instagram story. I want you to pray through it. What does God want me to believe if there is a believing faith? Where does God want me to trust since there is a trusting faith? And how does God want me to obey since there is an obedient faith? Because there's faith for believing, faith for trusting, and there's faith for obedience. We need to ask God, what, what is it that I believe? What lies? In my head, do I have that I thought came from you or I didn't know where they came from at all, yet they're in the in the core of my belief system? What things in my life am I not trusting you where I think I have perfect trust? And what areas am I not being obedient so that I am not receiving your full blessing or advancing your kingdom? Have you been praying this? Have you been praying to God about these things? Just lie to me. Say, yeah, just in faith. Say, yes, of course, pastor. Of course, I have, my wife has, we, we're praying through this and God is unearthing things in our hearts that we didn't even know. We didn't know that God had dreams for us that we hadn't even heard in this season. And he's like, here's what I want you to trust me for. And we're like, my God, that's, that's something. And other things he tells us, I need you to stop believing this. And we're like, oh, my God, right? Like, like wow, that's, that's deep right there. That's personal. I see you're trying to touch something. And so we are trying to put into practice what God is doing in this house right now. And let me tell you why you need to do this, why you need to be aware of your own faith. The majority of people you operate with in the earth, the the, the majority of people in your day-to-day life at work, at school, many of them even at church, have never taken an inventory of what they believe or why they believe it. They just know that they know something. They're fully convinced that they know, and that's as far as they've gone. They've not looked into their childhood trauma and how it has caused what they're going through. They've not looked at how society has shaped what they believe. They've, they... Mike, I believe your phone is, is telling me. 
that, that we got things going on. I, I don't see a phone, but it's dinging. And I, may, maybe it's the anointing. Maybe, maybe every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings like in, uh, in the movie, right? Hallelujah. But, but we, we got to be aware of what we believe and why we believe it. Are you hearing me? You, you need to be aware of what you believe and why you believe it. We have to be people who understand these things. Why? The enemy is at war with the truth. The devil is fighting to keep you from believing the truth. The, there is a war against real faith in the earth. I need you to, I don't want to put fear in your hearts, but I need you to understand that the devil is fighting to keep you from believing. He absolutely does not want you to trust your spouse. He absolutely does not want you to be faithful to God. He absolutely wants to keep you insecure, depressed, unable to be happy, incapable of changing your life, paralyzed in fear, unsure of God's faithfulness. The devil does not want you to be at peace with God and at peace with yourself. And he works overtime. You think, oh, I'm, I'm insecure because I got issues. No, you got, you're insecure because the devil is a liar. That's why you're insecure. You're like, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just anxious because I might mess. No, you're anxious because the devil is a liar. And he's working physically, emotionally, and spiritually to keep you from walking in the peace and joy of our Lord. Amen? I, we need to see this. I don't want to preach on the devil, but we need to recognize that there is an opponent in our lives. There is someone who is warring against your faith. And we need to make sure that he doesn't have undue influence in our hearts. The devil is at war with God's plan on the earth. And, 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 and he helps shape culture in a way that tries to force us to trust in the gods of this world instead of trusting the one true God. I need, I need you to understand that. We look at the Old Testament and we're constantly ridiculing them about worshiping other gods while we go in debt to buy something we can't afford so other people will think that we're cool. We'll allow people to pressure us into doing things that we know are not right because we want to please them and at the same point judge Israel for doing things to please the people around them. We are no different than them. When you read the Old Testament, when you read the Scriptures, New and Old Testament, and you find yourself judging someone in the book, you're reading it wrong. What the, what the Word wants us to recognize is the, the, the human condition is given to sin. And what I see in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, is a warning for my heart and my life. So that I can walk in unity with God. Can you say Amen. We don't even recognize how this culture shapes our values until Holy Spirit challenges us to reflect the values of God's kingdom. Let me say it again. We do not recognize how this culture shapes our values until Holy Spirit challenges us to reflect the values of God's kingdom. We see it all the time. People give their life to Jesus and instantly God just starts asking them some simple things like, Wake up early and read the Bible. Come to church on Sunday. You're like, oh, I really have these other things happening. He's like, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Um, but I just told you to do this. But the culture, but the money, but the, but the, but the, yeah, 
Yeah, we don't recognize that this culture is trying to disciple us in a way that we don't even see. And in today's passage in Romans chapter 1, we see Paul trying to kick in the door of culture of Rome to get the gospel at work in the lives of the Romans. So, so they're, they're captured by the Roman Empire. Israel is uh, conquered by Rome. And even though Israel have, has its nation, it is under the auspices of Rome. And Rome is running, thank you Anastasia, the, Rome is running the, 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 the show and Rome is pulling the strings. Rome is murdering people. Rome is putting people in place and tearing people out of the place. It, the Jews in their temple, even the high priest was not appointed by the lineage of the Jewish history. They were appointed by Rome. And so, and so Rome is, is running everything around them. And Jesus came to say, man, you guys say that you're worshiping the one true God, but really you're appeasing someone, a kingdom opposed to God's kingdom. I have to come and point out how you're getting this completely wrong. And today we see Paul is like, hey, listen, we, we're going we're gonna to do some things today. He's like, I'm writing you a letter to let you know I am not coming under Rome's control. We are now going to come against Rome's spiritual authority in your life and impose a new kingdom that will never be conquered. Can you say amen? In Rome, there was this culture of honor and shame, and this is how they manipulated people. I've talked about this a little bit, but as you read the scriptures, you have to understand the, the spiritual forces the writers of the New Testament were coming against. And so in Eastern cultures, I've talked about this a couple times, there's, there's this shame and honor. And so you want to be honoring. You want to be honored. You want to be a person of honor. And the way they do that is they say, if you don't operate within our system of honor, we will shame you, right? It, it, it's mean girls, right? You want to sit at the cool girl table and if you don't look cool enough or you don't act like the cool girls, you're going to sit at the dork table, right? And you're going to be ostracized. I'm not the only one that's on me, girls, right? Like the, the me, like, like we, I know y'all are holy and some of y'all don't go to the movies because you're just too, you're too sanctified. I, I get that. But those of us who, you know, may have seen fetch is not going to happen, right? Just, right? It's, it's not making, it's not going to happen. So, so, so in Mean Girls, there's this table where the cool girls sit. And, and they sit and they ridicule everybody who is aspiring to be like them. This is what Rome was like. Rome was a lot like a middle school, high school cafeteria. There are those you want to be like, and there are those who are ostracized. And Rome decided who the cool people were, who the acceptable people, who would be allowed to be wealthy, and they would decide who are the outcasts who would not be accepted, who would not be wealthy. There was this shame and honor culture. And so they're telling them to avoid shame and seek honor so that your kids can go well, so that you can have more money, so that you can uh, excel in life. And, and, and one of the reasons the Roman Empire, as we study history, one of the reasons the Roman Empire grew so well is that when Rome would take over a new territory in war, it would capture a new area, and then what they would do is they would make the citizens of that culture Roman citizens, but they couldn't immediately be integrated into Roman society. And what they would do is Rome would send people into these areas to teach them how to be Roman. 
We understand that you had your culture. We understand that you had your people and the way you dress and the way you do society. And what we do is we're going to send some people and we're going to teach you how to be Roman. Now, before this, when a, a country captured another country, what they would do is they would murder everybody in the country of a different culture. And then they would just move their people into that land. What Rome would do is they would capture it and then they would enculturate those people. It wasn't a melting pot. You didn't get to bring your culture. What they did is they, send, they, they, they had people that they appointed, and they called them apostles. And these apostles, Greek for sent ones, Rome would send apostles into these captured lands and teach those people how to be Roman. Are, are you understanding this? And so that they could have one unified culture. And so the people who could not adapt, the people who could not or would not adapt, would be shamed, and many were murdered. This is what we see in the crucifixion. Why was Jesus on a cross up in the, outside the gates of the city? Why did they murder him on a cross? The, the Bible and history tells us that when you would walk into um, Jerusalem, there would be lines of crucifixes with those who Rome had murdered. So as you walk into the city, they're sending a signal, if you do not act like us, you will, this is what will happen to you. You will become one of us, and if you try to change us, you will be murdered. But not only murdered, they shame them. So before you were murdered, by being nailed to a cross and slowly dying, they would strip you completely naked. Man or woman, they'd strip you completely naked. They would beat you bloody. And then they would put you naked, nailed on a cross. Now, that's, it's brutal and it's torture, but the point was bigger than murdering one person. It's easy to murder a person. What they wanted to do was shame you. Shame your family. Shame your belief system. I do not want to be like that because I do not want to be shamed. I don't want to be shame, bring shame on my family. I don't want to bring shame on my, on my business. I don't want to bring shame in my area. I don't want to be thought of shamefully. I want my children to be proud for me. Therefore, I need to be Roman. So with Jesus, they crucify him. They put up on a cross outside city trying to get those who were his disciples to reject his teachings. They want, they want to reject what he did. They want to reject being associated with him. You don't even want to be associated with those who are shameful because then you were shamed too. And you see Peter, as Jesus was put on trial, they're like, hey, are you with him? And he's like, no, 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 no. Peter was, was, it was ingrained in who he was to not associate himself with someone being shamed. And, and so we, we get on Peter about him rejecting Jesus, rejecting Jesus. This is what scared people do, amen? Let's not judge Peter too, too harshly because all of us have rejected Jesus at some point. All of us, we knew Jesus was saying, do this, and we did that. And so when we look at the rejection of Jesus by Peter, we can't use it as some sort of sermon illustration. What we need to say is, yes, I have done that as well. Jesus has made a way for me to come back. Right? This is how we need to read the Scriptures. How does this apply to us? And so, so Paul, in writing the Scripture, I hope, hope you're tracking with me here. I hope, hope I haven't put anybody to sleep yet. I think this is good stuff. Paul, Paul is challenging this cultural value with God's kingdom values. You remember when Jesus gathered his disciples, after a while he decided, I'm going to call you my apostles. 
I'm going to send you out and share the culture of this new kingdom. You're going to share this kingdom that is the kingdom of heaven, and you're going to go out into an area that does not understand because Jesus is like, I've now conquered all the kingdoms. You are now going to go out and teach these new kingdoms how to operate in the kingdom that I have brought. You understand what's going on here? This is not a magic word, apostle. This is a word they used. And he's like, no, no, you are going to be my, my sales force. You, you are, you are going to be my HR trainers. You're going to, like, to use today's language, you're going to teach people how to operate in this new kingdom. You're going to be my immigration specialists, right? You're going to give the immigration tests to people that they understand the constitution of this new kingdom that they're now joining. We're going to make sure that you understand the language of this kingdom. We're going to make sure you understand the history of this kingdom. Make sure that you're going to pledge allegiance to this kingdom. And then you'll be adopted into this kingdom through the waters of baptism, right? You understand what I'm saying? See, this, it's not like some magical word. Like This all makes a lot of sense once you understand what's going on in the Bible. And, and, so, and so Paul is like, hey, I understand this, this shame thing and this, and this honor thing that Rome is trying to do. Um, but but I'm, I'm challenging Rome's values with kingdom values. We, we see this dynamic with Timothy as Paul was discipling Timothy. Timothy was working in the church in Ephesus, and they, of course, were part of the Roman kingdom. And, uh, and, 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 and Paul is telling his disciple Timothy, like, hey, you, you, you got to recognize what's going on. Like, you are, you're going through some battles. And by reading the, the word, the, the, the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, we can see Timothy's going through some spiritual warfare, that, that he's got elders that aren't so great, and there's some problems going on. And, and we can tell that things are getting in his head. And, and, he, and he tells Timothy, hey, listen, you're, you're part of a different kingdom now. And Christ now defines what is honor and what is shameful, not, 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 not Rome. And, and Paul tells, him, tells us things like, you know, there's power and weakness. Whereas Rome said there's power in brutality, right? And he's like, there's confidence in being put to shame because the God of heaven will actually honor you if you allowed yourself to be put to shame, right? And we see this in, in 2 Timothy 2.15. He says, be diligent to present yourself approved or honored. Be diligent to present yourself honored to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Accurately handling the word of truth. He's like, listen, there's a different honor system that's at work now. There's not this Rome decides whoever worships Caesar is honored. No, no, no. You're going to study this word. And as you study the scriptures and teach about Jesus, you have no reason to be ashamed. You will not work under. As a matter of fact, you will recognize that you are now being honored by God, by understanding his word and following his ways. And this honor is far more powerful than any honor Rome can give you. Amen. This is what this is. This is this is the foundation of what we see here in Timothy. We're called to embody the values in this word of truth, in this countercultural spiritual formation. Paul is even having to to nail into his disciple, Timothy, who's an apostle himself and Rome says we should be ashamed, but the apostles called Rome Babylon. We, we got to recognize the things that we consider to be mountaintop things. God may be calling Babylon. God may be calling something you need to be embarrassed of. Some of the things that people brag about in their lives, they need to be embarrassed of. You know, when you witness to people and they brag on some things, and you're like, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily I, I wouldn't necessarily brag on on, on that. That's that's not as cool as you 
think it is. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really admiring what you're telling me right now. This is, let me tell you a better way. There, there, there's cultural things with how many partners you might have. And I'm like, you, you might brag on that. I'm bragging on the fact that I've been married to the same woman for 23 years. There's no other woman that says that I've been intimate with her in 23 years. Now, our culture says that that's cool, but I'll tell you what is really honorful, honoring is what I'm telling you right now. And if you would get this God of heaven in your life, you would see the honor in what I just told you. This is an everlasting honor. This is an honor I can pass down to my kids. That's, my kids can say, my, you know, did my parents this. Like, this is, this is real honor. Are, are, are you understand what I'm saying? Are, are we tracking together? And so in the midst of this, he's trying to say, my identity is not in Rome's acceptance, but being members of the kingdom of heaven. Remember that as we go back into our scripture in, for, in Romans chapter 1. We're just studying the Bible today for a minute. Is that okay? Can we just study the word of God and see what Jesus has for us? Come on, let's Yeah, we're digging. We're digging today. Okay, so Romans chapter 1, verse 15. So in, in light of the fact that obviously people in Ephesus were saying, man, you, if you believe in that murdered guy, that rabbi that we killed, like, you, what is wrong with you? We're, we're actually murdering you as well. And as you, as you read the scriptures, if you read the writings in the first 300 years of church history, you, you, never, you never see them calling themselves victims. You never see them complaining about being persecuted. They would time and again, if you read the writings of the persecuted church in the first 300 years, they would say things like, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. They would talk about the nearness of God in the midst of, they like, we glory in our tribulations because we have this nearness of God as we've associated ourselves with the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdom of Rome. And so we look here at Romans chapter 1, verse 15, going to back up a verse here. Paul says this, so for my part, where there is shame, he says, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you while I'm in Rome. I understand you might be feeling some shame and other people have wanted you to feel shameful, but I am eager to go there and preach the gospel. It, it's funny. It's funny how, 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 how controversial the name Jesus is today. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed like we can pray to God? We can talk about God. People will go up and receive an award and thank God, but I don't know who your God is. Your God may be the producer. Your God may be money. I want to know what God we're talking about here. I want to hear the name Jesus. I want to hear you talk about the risen Jesus. Like, I want to hear the name Jesus. Now, I don't care what Starbucks puts on its cup. Starbucks is a company. It's obviously not saved, right? It's not a person. I don't, I don't care whether they sing Merry Xmas or wish you Merry Holidays. I don't care. But when someone is talking about God and you get up in a prayer circle and you're at, at work and someone is talking about religion, you're no, this religion, that thing, oh, it's all the same. It ain't the same. My Savior actually was dead and God raised him from the dead. He's actually alive. His name is Jesus. Oh, yes, I do follow God as revealed in Jesus. Like we are Jesus people in this church we we we're, we're we're not we're not god people god in quotes god like little g god we're not feel good people we're not like i don't worship worship in this church like oh we're a worshiping church i'm like that's awesome who you're worshiping let me know are we worshiping worship i've been in churches where worship was about worship and they would sing songs about worship they're singing songs about singing songs, Mikey. When Mikey and I started beating, I was like, I love worship, but I want worship to be to Jesus. I want us to be worshiping Jesus. I don't want to worship my feelings about what happens when I worship Jesus. 
I, 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 don't, I, I, don't want any, I don't want any lyrics that are, people are like, oh, what, uh, someone's asking, it was kind of a funny thing, what, what, what song lyric do you never want to hear again? Are you tired of? And people were giving all these words, you know, oceans and things like that. And I was like, you know, you know what word I'm, I'm done with? Oh, whoa. You know what my second one is? Whoa, whoa. My third one? Oh, oh, whoa, whoa. Like, I'm like, that, that's not even a lyric. Why are we singing this? Why are we singing oh, 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 oh? What, what does that even mean? What that means is there is some sort of frequency happening that's making me feel good. It's releasing these endorphins, and I'm getting a feeling of godness that lacks the power thereof. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power when we worship Jesus. Listen, in your life, when you're, you're in your little cubicle, don't be embarrassed that you get, everybody's got whatever music on and you got your little Christian station. Leave it on. Except for the corny stuff. Don't play the corny stuff. You're not helping us with that. Don't, don't do that. Don't play the corny stuff. Don't, don't, don't. Play some good stuff, right? But, it, but don't be embarrassed to talk about Jesus. I just talk about Jesus. When I, I just, I'll just bring him up. Just say the name, Jesus. That's, that's why I like the song Jesus. I was like, can we play this song? I, I, I was harassing Mikey. Can we, just, can we do this song? Can we do this song? I just want to hear the name Jesus in church. Can we just sing Jesus? I was at a worship service I love. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to sing it. I'm going to say it. And there's songs, and we were talking about sequoia trees. I'm like, what in the world are we talking about here? Are we on a nature walk, or are we worshiping Jesus? What's happening? Maybe, maybe the song is too deep for me. Maybe my shallow, rudimentary brain doesn't understand what's happening. Maybe, do you have a guide for how we're talking here? I don't understand. I don't want to sing about trees. I got, I got, I got, I got 66 books that we can pull stuff from. So I just, can we just sing about Jesus a little bit? Can I just have Jesus in the room doing things that I don't understand? Can I sing his name and watch him bubble up on the inside of me? Can I pray in the spirit for a second in a song as I lift holy hands to Jesus and the spirit of God lands upon me and begins to do miracles on the inside of me? Can we just invoke the name of Jesus in a culture that doesn't want to hear his name? Like, oh, I just, I just worship Jesus. Oh, so you believe in I'm, I'm not talking politics. I don't know what you think. If Jesus ran for office, absolutely I would vote for him. But I don't think he's going to do it. <laughs> Seeing how he's king, I don't see him running for president. Right? He is above all of that. He's like, I'm in charge of all of this, and none of, nobody and none of y'all get a vote. Like, I'm, <laughs> is it? And by the way, I looked at the end, every one of y'all is going to vote for me in the end anyways. Every tongue, every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's not out there putting campaign plaques and saying, you got to, no, no. Presidential season's coming up, and I want to let you know, he's not on the ballot. He is not on any ballot. He ain't running for mayor. He's not running for governor. He's not running for senate. He's not running for president. And not for nothing, he don't have a single apostle in any of those either. He's not sending any of those people. Can you, okay, this, I'm just going to say this. because I got, I got some meat I want to get into here in a second, but I want to say this first. Could you imagine the president of the United States, whoever the president is, saying, I really hope they make me mayor of Boca Raton. I hope I become the county commissioner of Broward County. Like, no, you're the president. You're the president. Why would you, 
Why would you stoop that? Like, why? What? What? Can you imagine the king of heaven and earth saying, oh, I hope they vote me in in America. Like, can you imagine Jesus when he walked the earth saying, oh, I hope they let me be on the Sanhedrin. That would just really then I would be fulfilled if the Levites and the Pharisees would accept me to be on their council. No, that, that's that's not my God. Amen. As a matter of fact, he, amen. They murdered him because he says, I don't, I don't believe none of y'all have any power, as a matter of fact. I know you think you have power, but I'm the one who made you, and you don't have any power that I have not given you. I'm now allowing you to operate in sin, but one day you will be judged according to your works. This is, this is Jesus. So when you get in the booth, don't, don't pray in tongues and be like, who's your candidate? No, no, do some research. Find someone of good character. Vote for them, someone who can actually do the job. And then just have a clear conscience and pray in the Holy Ghost and just trust that, you know, America won't end this year. All right. If one day it will, just don't let it be this year. Right. Like just. Amen. All right. I'm, I'm off of that. I'm off of that now for a second. So so Jesus says. Verse 15, he says, I am eager to preach the gospel to you while I'm in Rome, Rome, the very seat of power. Paul is like, he's got, you, so here's someone who's got Jesus. He's like, I don't accept Caesar as the leader of anything. Uh, like, he, he ain't leader of nothing as far as I am concerned. I'm there ready to preach the gospel while I'm in Rome. Paul, Paul, Paul knew what he was called to. He says, why? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. He's like, I'm not I'm not going to operate in the system before, like where Rome was in charge. and They let us do a little religious thing. Oh, no, 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 no. They need to hear this gospel, too. They all need to hear the gospel because it's got power. Now, we talked last week about saving faith, which we call believing faith. Right. And this is not the faith that Paul's talking about here. He's talking about in Romans. He's talking about another kind of faith here. He's talking about trusting faith. This is my introduction. And I got about three minutes left before I'm supposed to be done. So I might go more than three minutes here, but, but hang on, it's going to be worth it. Watch this. Verse 17 says, for in it, in what? No, in it, the gospel, in the gospel, what now, now, now you're ready. Now you got the next part ready. Now what's in the gospel? Yes. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Now, this is where I want to dig in for a minute. You might be getting tired. Your eyes may be glazing over. You may be used to three-minute sermons on TikTok, but we're not on TikTok. We're actually being shaped here. We're actually going through spiritual formation, and that takes a second. Aren't you glad your doctor didn't say, you got a tumor. Uh, let's see, TikTok gives me three minutes. We're just going to go in and get it, all right? Like, no, no, I want some prep time. I need, I need, let's, 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 let's be careful here, right? And so as we look at the scripture, leave it up for a second, if you would, Anastasia. Now you see how the, that's in all caps right here, but the righteous shall live by faith and how man is in, in lowercase. Do you see that? Okay, good. Thanks. Okay. So man is not actually in the, in the Greek. It's not, if you were to read this in Greek, man is not there because it's in a different thing. It's trying to explain to you what they're saying here. The all caps means that this is a direct quote from the Old Testament. All right, so now, now, now Paul 
is directly quoting the Old Testament to the Romans to try to get them to understand that there is a faith that is talked about in the Old Testament that you need here. Now, since it was in the Old Testament, this can't be, this can't be believing faith. This can't be saving faith because there was no Savior, right? So it's not about salvation. I mean, there was a Savior. He hadn't died and been resurrected yet, right? He's eternal. I get that. But, but the, so we're not talking about saving faith here. We're, 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 we're talking about faithfulness. We're talking about, we're talking about this, this, this um, trusting faith in God. And, and, and this actually, this passage comes from Habakkuk chapter 2. Y'all been reading Habakkuk lately, of course, right? Like that's, that's probably a, a book y'all turn to regularly. It's probably John and maybe Acts and then Habakkuk, right? It's a, for those of you who didn't read it in the last couple weeks, let me kind of give you a little overview of what's happening here. Habakkuk was, was a prophet during the Assyrian Empire's reign. Now, the Assyrian Empire is, is starting to wane, and they had captured the people of Israel. And the Chaldeans, who were in Assyria, had captured the Jews and taken them and murdered many who refused to submit. It's talked a lot about in, in Jeremiah. And God had warned them many times that they would be captured if they did not repent. And eventually the people were captured. And the prophet, he knew God well. And at this point, Assyria is starting to die, and Habakkuk's getting a little irritated that the people of Israel are still under captivity. And so he begins to ask God questions. He says, why, God, are you continuing to allow these wicked people to be over us? He starts, based on his relationship with God, he's able to survey the land and say, this doesn't seem righteous. Why, why are you allowing these unrighteous people? You said there'd be a time. Why are you allowing these unrighteous people to continue to dominate us, to oppress us, to murder us? Why, God? And God tells Habakkuk to, he says, I'm, I'm going to give you a vision and I need you to write it down. He says, the people must wait on the appointed time. He's like, there's a time you're going to be delivered. I need you to write this down because you're going to forget it. When God talks to you, you better write it down because you will forget it. And you need to go back and read it. You need to let it be part of who you are. You need to incorporate that word of God. In the, in the, in the book of Revelation, uh, the, the, the prophet sees a scroll and he says, eat the scroll. We need to get the word of God that's spoken to us. We need to ingest it. It needs to be part of us. We need to read this book until it becomes part of us. But also the word of God, the pure word of God that's spoken to you, it needs to become part of you. It needs to be part of your ethical systems. It needs to be part of how you live your life. Chelsea, you understand what I'm talking about, right? You, you, you feel this. You, y'all need, you guys need to make this part of who you are. And so finally, he says, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you a vision. I want you, I want you to write it down. There, there's going to be a time coming. Then he says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right with him, but the righteous shall live by faith. This is what God had told Habakkuk. He's like, listen, the righteous one, shall live by faith. Now, if you're unrighteous, there's no deliverance coming, right? Deliverance is, is, is not coming for you. Don't, don't, even, don't even get your hopes up. Just live in your misery. Just do what you need to do, right? If you're not going to live right, live wrong, right? Like that's, that's it. But if you'd like to get out of this current situation, you might want to start living right and live by faith. What, what is he saying here? He's saying, in a time of injustice, when injustice was prevailing all around them. They were treated as slaves. They, they were God's people with their own land, but now 
now things are terrible. And everything they see with their eyes says things will never get better. But God is telling them to remain faithful. And if they remain faithful, they will receive their reward. They will receive deliverance from the people oppressing them. He's like, I know you want to turn to other gods, but if you remain faithful, you'll see my deliverance. Now, what they could see with their eyes was oppression and bloodshed, but they were called to trust God despite what they see. Trust God despite what they see. Listen, trusting faith is expressed by being faithful to God and his ways. This is what trusting faith looks like, remaining faithful, remaining faithful to God and his ways. So so if we look at Habakkuk, the righteous shall live by faith. We're not talking about believing faith. We're talking about remaining faithful to the covenant that God made with us. When you got saved, you gave your life to him and he gave his life to you. And he says, listen, I want you to live by faith, Carl. I want you to live by faith, Brianna. I want you to live according to what I have taught you. Now, faithfulness is a heart condition where a person decides that following Jesus is the beginning of their ethics. Following Jesus is the beginning of their ethics. When we, when we try to look at what should I do in this situation, I don't know what to do. We need to ask, what is the right thing to do in this situation? Even if it's not a church situation. I love, I love um, personally, I love raising my children this way. I love when my son will call me and he'll say, I'm, I'm not sure what to do in this situation or that situation. I'm not, I'm not sure what I should do with this person. And I, and, and I invariably tell him, why don't you call them and talk to them about it and see? And be like, that's a good idea. I'm like, yeah, that's what the Bible tells us to do. When we have a problem with a person, we go to them. We don't enlist everybody else to come in and gossip about that person. We go to them and talk about the problem. This is, this is what the Bible tells us to do. It can, and because it, it solves so many problems. And when someone comes to you with gossip, that's why the Bible says, did you go to them? What did they say when you went to them? Okay, you still aren't in agreement? Bring some elders into the conversation. And let's see what the elders say. Let's submit ourselves to the elders. I've done this many times in my life, and it's never failed me. No, no matter what the world says, I'm, I'm going to remain faithful to God and wait for my blessing. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm, 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 I personally have decided I'm going to believe God in a world that tells me to trust something else. We need to believe God in a world that tells us to trust something else. We need a trusting relationship with God. And in salvation, we see this. If I put my faith in Jesus, he will never leave me or forsake me. He's like, I will be faithful to what I told you. Aren't you thankful for that? I am thankful that I can trust that God isn't going to wake up one day and decide I'm not saved. He is faithful to his word. This culture is all about protect yourself. Come up on your own. God wants to put our faith in him. The Bible is filled with stories of God blessing people who remain faithful to him. And if we're going to grow into fully mature Christians, we have to determine in our hearts to be faithful to God. Man, this is where faith gets real. This is where faith goes beyond like, we're going to jump up and down and worship and we're going to go to church. Like this, this is where life, this is where mature faith begins to happen. The devil hates this. The devil doesn't care if you go to church. The devil doesn't care if you jump up and down. He don't care if you, if you yell loud. What he wants to see is faithfulness out there. 
He will fight you tooth and nail to start being faithful. He'll make you scared to be faithful. When a believer begins to mature, God wants to require faithfulness where there are idols. And, and, and here's where we have to gain some sort of compassion for the people of Israel. So you've got to figure, Israel is a desert. And there were very small spots where they could grow crops. And if the crops did not last, they die. And so what they would do is try to do whatever they could to make the crops come. And so all the nations around them had gods of fertility, gods of good crops. And so they would say, you know, we are the people of God. We, we, we believe in the one true God. We believe, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. But I really do need some crops this year because it was a little light last year. And so maybe if we can get a little bit of that fertility God, Asherah over here, maybe we can get some crops. I still trust the one true God, but if we can just use the God of Asherah over here to just make him do what we want to do just so we can get some crops, because clearly God wants us to have crops. And so, so he wouldn't be mad for us to use whatever it takes to get crops because we're his covenant people. No, no, that, 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 that's not how it works. The people come and they say, hey, a pastor, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, but you know, this area right here, God wouldn't be mad if I did something completely unethical because it's going to turn into something good. And we have to say, listen, if you did it unethically, it will turn into nothing good. It's sin. Sin can only produce sin. You cannot sin for God. God will never ask you to sin to do what he wants you to do. God never has to perform sin to get his will done. God never ever requires you to sin to bring forth his will. Get this through our heads. God is looking for people he can bless. God is looking for people who say, you know, I know they say if I compromise a little bit, I'll be blessed, but I refuse to do that. Do you hear what I'm telling you right now? God is looking for people. To, here's what I have seen in, in this season. I, 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 I have tested this word and I'm not going to tell you this is the word of the Lord, but I'm going to tell you in my heart, I feel like this is a prophetic word for this season. And you can receive it however you want. I have been praying, and I believe the Lord wants to give some people the Romans 12 gift of giving. I believe that he, the Romans 12, there's a, there's a list of spiritual gifts there, and there's a weird one that pops out, this gift of giving. And that's interesting. See, if you're going to be a prophetic voice, you better be faithful in the written word of God before you start trying to give the spoken word of God. Hear me. If you do not know this word, don't come up with new words. Because so many of them don't line up with this word. You're just a false teacher. I I told you this. I have a whole TikTok series on prophetic words that God never said. And I just show the word and I just tell people God didn't say that. I'm not afraid to say that wasn't a prophetic word. People go, but God, I got this prophetic word. I said, that, that, that's great. What religion is that person a prophet from? Because that ain't Christian right there. What you just told me is not Christian. That, that, that ain't God. I'm, I hate to break the bubble, but that ain't Jesus. You want to follow Jesus? Anybody, this makes sense, right? Do people need to know this. I'm just surprised how many false words people will follow in this season. And I believe if you're going to be faithful in the, to get a prophetic word, you better know the written word, so you can understand God's voice. And if God is going to trust you with the gift of giving, he better be able to trust you with finances. He wants to increase some of you in the area of giving. He wants to increase your capacity to give. 
He wants to bless your finances in a way where you can be the solution to some people's financial problems. Wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't you love to be able to be, gener- be generous and, and fund the harvest that is coming in this season? But you have to, be, you have to demonstrate that you can be trusted with money. This is, this is trusting faith. Here, here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He says, he who's faithful in a little thing is faithful also in much. He who is unrighteous in a little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, so if you're not faithful in the little money you got now to God, don't be praying God for more. God, I pray you would give me more stuff not to be faithful in. It doesn't make any kind of sense, does it? If you have a babysitter and they abuse your oldest child, and they come back and they say, hey, can I, can I babysit your youngest? No, 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 that ain't going to happen. No, that, 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 that ain't going to happen. God, I haven't, I haven't been faithful with my hundred, but can you give me a million? Mm, no, I, I got some faithful folks. I, I, he says, okay, watch this. He who is faithful in very little is faithful in also in much. And he who is faithful in a very little is unrighteous also in much. He who is unrighteous in very little is unrighteous in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful with your use of unrighteous wealth or money, who will he entrust True riches. So this is, this is wild here. God somehow talks about us being faithful to God with our money, unlocking every other area of our life. The gifts, the blessings, the things that we don't even, even see. So, so many people have their blessing held up because they're scared to be faithful in their giving to God. They just don't trust God has something better for them in their finances. I, this week I was, I was sitting here in... Um, we had a guy come and he wanted to work on, work on the alarm and uh, had kind of a hectic week with all kind of things going on. And I'm like, I don't really have time for this, but, but whatever. So I, I get the guy set up. I get him in the room to where our, the, the outdoor uh, room where our electrical panels are. I show him where all the uh, fire alarm stuff is and all that. And, and uh, he's working on that. And I'm in my office. I'm trying to get some things done. And uh, he comes in and checks with me and tells me, Everything's done. And I was like, all right. And the Lord says, okay, you're going to pray for him now. I'm like, uh-huh. All right. Have, have a great day. And then I'm sitting in my office and I just feel the presence of the Lord in the room, but not the kind of presence of the Lord you want. Not, not like the, ooh, let me lay on the ground kind of presence of the Lord. The kind of the presence of the Lord, the Lord's like, um, I, I feel like I just told you something. Right? And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I'm, I really, I really got to get this stuff done. And, I'm, and now I'm having a debate with God, which... Have you ever won a debate with God ever in your entire life? It's like those videos you see online of people arguing with the flight attendant when they're like, you have to leave the plane now. And they're like, but why? Like, just, you are not winning that argument. The only, that, only thing that's coming is a taser. That, that's the next step, right? Like, tasers are coming. Like, just, it's time to get off the plane, right? If you don't get off the plane, tasers come, then handcuffs come, and then real shame comes, right? Then you're all over social media being duct taped, carried off a plane. That's, that's what's coming next. No one has ever won an argument with a flight attendant about get off the plane, right? And so I'm sitting in there and I'm like, God, I got, I got some things going on. And I'm just sitting there and God's like, oh, he knew what I'm preaching on this week. He goes, okay, faithful. Okay, got that, got it. I'm like, okay, Jesus, got you, got you, got you. I will be faithful in what you tell me to do. I, this is not the seed I want to sow, right? So I get up and I go, hey, hey, how you doing? Um, you know, haven't talked to you the entire time you're here. As a matter of fact, I've kind of avoided you because I got things going on. I didn't say that part. But I'm like, hey, what, what's your name? I said, I'm, I'm about to be in prayer because I'm praying for myself because I didn't obey God right when he told me. I'm about to be in prayer. I wonder if there's anything I can pray for you about. He's like, 
wow, that's weird. I just had a, a family member die. And then he starts going into this, this family trauma he's going through. And I'm talking to him about his relationship with God. And here's what's always funny. You'll notice this, Mike. I, I know you probably get this all the time. And those of you who witness, he's like, yeah, I go to church. I was like, yeah, where do you go to church? He's like, um, uh, 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 I was like, yeah, I go all the time, right? He's like, uh, uh, um, uh, 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 like name is escaping him. I like to ask people who say they go to church. I was like, oh, what's your pastor's name? Because uh, 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 they think what I'm trying to get is some sort of religious answer. But really, I'm after your heart. And so I'm like, man, I just felt like God told me to come out here and pray for you. And I don't want to if you don't want me to. But I'd be honored if I could just pray for you in these situations. And he's like, man, I, I really appreciate that. And so I was able to just kind of share the gospel with him, pray for him, pray for his family, and just begin a healing process in his life just because I was faithful to what God said to me. And in that thing that I was wrestling with that entire time, I was really kind of in a, a little bit of anxiety, if I can be honest. And this thing, I was like, I don't have time to follow God right now because I have to get this thing worked out. I was just like, I just... And after that, that afternoon, I was like, this, this, this peace came over me. I was like, well, I guess we're just going to get this thing worked out. And sure enough, things fell into place. Things got delayed and it got completely worked out. Praise God, amen? The, the thing that I thought I had to take care of I can't take care of God's business. I got to take care of my business. God's like, if you take care of my business, I'll take care of your business. I need to be faithful. Now, it's not always a one for one. You don't always immediately get the breakthrough that you hope for. And I didn't do that for God to bless me. I honestly did that because I didn't want to be disobedient to God. I wanted to be found faithful. I want to be someone when God says, I need this person to hear the gospel. I want him to think Carl. I'll send him to Carl because Carl will be faithful. And this is what he says about our finances. Listen, you can trust God. When, when I got sent to South Florida, I've told you this story before, but I want you to hear it again because this is one of the stories God told me about last night. He's like, share this one. I'm like, I've shared that one. He said, I don't understand if you heard me. Share that one. I'm like, got it, got it, got it. When I was leaving, um, when I was leaving, I was actually visiting Delray. I knew the Lord had told me to quit my job in Gainesville and moved to Delray and helped help a friend of mine start a church. And uh, I had said yes immediately. And then God challenged me. Uh, or then later I decided I was going to kind of try to challenge God a little bit. It's like, you know, God, I'm, I'm perfectly obedient to you always. You know, I'll do whatever you tell me to do, which, which is a lie. I was like, I'll be obedient to you. I was like, but God, how am I, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to eat? What, what, you know, now I'm like, prove to me that you're going to take care of me. I'm like, how am I going to eat? And I ate cereal for breakfast this morning. I eat cereal virtually every day of the week for breakfast. It's who I am, right? And so I'm opening up a box of cereal. And I'm like, God, how am I going to eat? And I open the box. And as soon as I look at it on the inside of the thing, it says, congratulations, you want a year supply of cereal. I was like, oh, you funny, God. You, you funny. You really funny. And so I ate that cereal. I sent in the, uh, the coupon to uh, the cereal people, and I got like six cases of cereal shipped to my house. I thought I could like take the coupon in and get a box here and there. No, no. Here's the abundance I'm going to send you right now. I am just, God is like, I am just going to send the abundance to you right now. Now, why it wasn't gold bars, I don't know, but God decided cereal. But in that miracle, let me tell you, that, that's a, it's a funny little miracle. But when I start to stress about money a little bit, I, I have to think God brings up the cereal. He's like, man, I, I sent cereal in the mail to you. Like, I, I, can, do, I can do anything. Like, I, just, just be faithful to me. You can trust me. Amen? Yeah, one claps, we all clap. Come on. 
But, but he's faithful. He's like, trust me. And, and I want to be in a community. I want us to be a community that can trust God. And time and again, God is like, if you will be faithful to me, you will see me be faithful to you. Watch this. Malachi 3.10, he says this. Bring the tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Right? That's like so, so, the, so, so, the, so I can eat. Right? Like he's like, I sure would like Carl to not have to fast all the time to preach to you. Right? Bring, 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 food into, bring your tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And watch, this is the only time he says this in the Bible. Test me in this. I tested God in finances. And he gave me abundance. I literally, I had an intimate moment with God where I tested him. Test me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing until it overflows. I, I, I got all those boxes of cereal, and, and when you would go in my kitchen, in the cabinets, any cabinet you opened, there were boxes of cereal. It was, the, it was just the funniest thing in the world, and I just ate that for so long. I had it so many in my cabinets. I moved to South Florida. I, had a, I, was, I was actually moved in. Uh, my mom was in Delray, so I moved in with my mom, uh, and I had just all the cereal there, and eventually the Lord told me to meet, uh, to marry uh, Pastor Tracy, and when we got married, as I packed up myself, my stuff, I still have boxes of cereal. So I moved in with all my clothes, all my books, my computer, and my cereal, right? Like, it was a testimony of God's faithfulness in my life, and God has continued to be faithful to my life to this day. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, if we're going to unseat the power of the demonic in South Florida, we're going to have to challenge the God of money. Come on up, Mike, if you would. We are going to, like, what... If you don't think the power of what the Bible calls mammon, the spirit of finances, if you don't think that has a grip on South Florida, you're spiritually blind. Money runs this area. That is a God above all gods in South Florida. And some churches have chosen, well, I don't want to go down that road. Let me just sip my water here. I am not promising you today that if you are faithful to God with money, He's going to make the God of money active in your life. That would be a lie. If anybody tells you you're going to become a millionaire if you tithe, that is a lie. It is simply not true. But God will show Himself faithful in your finances in ways you never could have imagined. I have... I, my elder Mike Rentler and Elder Sue, we, 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 we have dinner regularly. And we just sit there and we tell testimonies, financial testimonies to each other that just don't even make sense. The world would be like, what? Like, just, just the weirdest things in the world. Like, like when I bought my house, I'll, I'll give this story another time, but by a miracle from heaven, the Lord just miraculously out of nowhere, just dropped a quarter million dollars in my life. Like, out of nowhere. And, and when we went to go buy a house, when, when we bought the house that we're in right now, the Lord reminded me of this last night. When we bought our house, it was being remodeled uh, to prepare to sell it. And the guy who was remodeling it told my real estate agent that 17 people had come by asking, when you're done with this house, we'll buy it cash. It wasn't even done being built yet. And then when we bought it, we put in an offer, and I was like, the house is worth more than what this offer is, but Lord, here's, here's, I laid hands on the house, I'm like, God, your will be done. 
we had put our house up for sale by faith and we sold it and we had to move out in three weeks. And we just went on a cruise. Like we had already had the cruise planned. That wasn't arrogance. It wasn't, you know, we paid for it. Like I'm not getting out of it. Like I got to, I spent the money. We're going on the cruise, right? And so I brought my family on a cruise and, and, and when we, you know, had no cell phone service and when we got to, I think Cozumel, um, we got off the phone. I had a message from my realtor that they accepted our offer and the offer was 30% under, no, no, 30,000, I don't want to lie. It was 10% under market value that we got it. And so, and so watch this. Did God give me all the money I needed for the house? No, no. He brought the price of the house down for my budget. And watch this. Your taxes, your taxes are determined on what the house sold for. And so now my taxes are lower because the sale price was lower. The neighbors were mad at what we bought our house for. They're like, I don't understand how you bought that house in that neighborhood for that price. I said, may I introduce you to Jesus? <laughs> may, 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 may I, amen. May I show you where my source comes from? We, we, money is, money is, is, a, is a wonderful tool, but it's a terrible God. God has something very better. He has a, an economy. And when you get your increase and you decide, man, the Lord is the Lord of my finances. The first 10% belong to him. Every week you come here, you hear the person say, prepare the Lord's tithe and your offering. My wife and I have a set amount above our tithe that we give every single week and we have for over a decade. It's, I don't care how tight money gets, like we, like we, God is over our finances. We can't serve money because it's a terrible God. But God said, test me in this. If you're faithful in your giveness, he's going to bless you in ways you can't imagine. I was sitting in bed last night and the Lord had me reading Revelation, which is not exactly go to sleep reading, right? Like it's, it's not what you're, you're like, I don't read it at all. But um, watch this. I saw this for the very first time in the book of Revelation. Uh, it's not in my message here. It's hot off the presses. In Revelation chapter 2, he writes his letter to the church in Pergamum. And he's like, he says, I read this. Just give me a second here. He says, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And I got to tell you, if, if the devil... If the devil is the God of mammon, if he's the God of lust and, and uh, desire for wealth, then he reigns in Boca Raton, a city that you can never have enough money. Where, where, where we, we, we see people with like who live in a mansion, and I'm not talking about anything in particular, but people who live in the most ostentatious mansion and call themselves humble. Like if you were humble, your house wouldn't look like this. You have this house for a reason. But we are so baptized into this culture, we don't see what humility looks like. Watch this. Here's what he says. Verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him who is faithful to God in his kingdom. Right? He overcomes. Watch this. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna. 
Manna was provision in the wilderness for the Jews. And you're like, God, I don't see how you can, how you can bless my, I don't see where, because he got some hidden manna for you. I believe there's some hidden manna God has for each of us that is being stored up for us. So we don't even see how he's going to bless us. We don't see how he's going to come through. We don't see how he's going to meet our need. And the devil is whispering in your ear trying to cut you off from the very source of faith in your life. He's trying to get you to just cut yourself off from the flow of the spirit. Cut yourself off from the life of the church. Cut yourself off from being faithful to God faithfully serving God, faithful in your finances, because he knows there is hidden manna that the enemy can't even see, but he knows how you tap into it. And he's like, if you will remain faithful, if you will remain faithful, I will release some of this hidden manna into your life, and I will bless you in ways that you cannot see. Watch this in Proverbs chapter 3. He says, honor the Lord with from your wealth and from the first of your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Can you say amen? Come on, stand with me if you would. Come on, stand with me if you would. God is saying, this is, this is, this is, you don't need to worship other gods for me to fill your barns with grain. You don't need to worship other gods to fill your wine barrels. I want to bless you in ways that you cannot see. I have so many testimonies of God's faithfulness and finances. There's so many in the Bible. I have come to say this, and I don't mean this as an insult to anybody. If you're not at this place, you're not at this place. I'm all right. I'm not talking about salvation. But there's two kinds of people. There's those people who have testimonies of God's faithfulness and sustaining them financially. And then there's people who don't tithe. You will see what God does with 90% to what you can do with a hundred. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. God is looking for people he can bless with a Romans 12 gift of giving. I believe it. Kelsey, I believe it. I just, I believe it. I believe it. He wants to see some, he wants to test some people. And so here's what I, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to put it up in a stage if you would. I want you to pray. What does God want me to believe? Lean into this this week. Where does God want me to trust? How does God want me to obey? Let's read it out loud together. What does God want me to believe? Where does God want me to trust? And how does God want me to obey? These are the questions God is asking in your life. He wants you to have answers. Come, Tessie, if you would. I feel the anointing in the room right now. I feel the anointing in the room right now. And I'm going to dismiss you here in one second. I've gone longer than I intended, and I appreciate you sticking around. But I feel like God is doing something in our, in our, in our, in our midst right now. Do you feel this? Can you sense it? God is doing something in this church right now. He's doing something in our lives. He's doing something in our, in our, in our fellowship. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray a blessing on you. But I want to, before anything, I want to declare the name Jesus over you. Because 
I don't know what your stronghold is in your life. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe, it's, maybe you're, you're diligent in finances, but God is trying to get you to share your testimony with people around you. Maybe God is asking you to maybe a little less wine in your life. Maybe God is asking you to clean up your language a little bit. Maybe God is asking you to be a little more faithful to gathering with the saints on Sunday. Maybe he's asking you, hey, you've been attending long enough. It's time to start serving. Time to move from being a consumer to a contributor in the house of God. I'm not sure. But we're going to declare Jesus over our circumstances. I'm going to bless you, all right? Get the mics, please. 